Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. For the sake of the world. In that vein, I thought it was important to restate the vision of why we're bringing a series called For the Sake of the World on Evangelism. I'd like to read it word for word. Ultimately, we don't want programmatic evangelism. That's the last thing we need. Programs are events. Jesus has called us to a way of life. We desire to be authentically Jesus people who share with others the one we love, the one who saved us, the one who is the Messiah for the entire world. We want to be so filled with his words, his beauty, that we could not help but share him with others in proclamation and demonstration. Through this message series, our hope is to see more people who call Vineyard Cleveland home equipped to share the good news of Jesus with others. As the old hymn says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We want to become the type of people who overflow with the person of Jesus that our lives couldn't help but shine. See Matthew 5, 16, or listen to Julie Barnhart's podcast last Sunday. Wasn't it amazing? Julie speaking. Give it up for Jules. Hey, great job, Julie. We want to become the type of people who are growing in our understanding and expression of partnership with the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus, come to the earth. How do we have conversations of faith with folks who are seeking Jesus? Or, more poignantly, how do we have conversations or engage the good news of Jesus with folks who don't know yet that they are seeking? Because whether they're seeking or not, deep down, everybody is. Everybody is. But how do we sift past the layers to really get to the heart of what the other person is desiring? This a place of significant and meaningful discussion about who Jesus is. Paul writes this, if you wanted to turn or swipe there with uh, with me, in Colossians uh, 4, verses 5 and 6, he writes this to the church at Colossae. Let's read uh, verses 4 through 6, actually. He's asking for the church's prayers upon him. He says, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, the gospel, as I should. Be wise, now he's talking to the church, in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Some of your versions might say that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So there's three takeaways that I'd like us to see in this passage this morning. And they're really simple, they're really practical for us to kind of get after when should we share the gospel. The easy answer is went to when should we share the gospel urgently and always. Urgently and always. And the three takeaways, 
That's four. Easy. Do I know math? Three. The three takeaways this morning that I'd like for us to see in the text are to, one, be smart, two, be nice, and three, be tactical. Be smart, be nice, be tactical. Firstly, be smart. Paul says here in Colossians that the church of Jesus should, quote, walk in wisdom. The church should be a people who walk in wisdom. You know the old saying that knowledge is power? Great, you're powerful. (laughs) Increasingly not so in the world of Google. I believe that the, the fulcrum is shifting in this cultural moment so that knowledge doesn't exactly equal power. Why? Because you, can, because you can pull out your phone and find the answer to any question you might ever want to ask in 4.2 seconds. Knowledge does not equal power anymore. However, do you know what is in short supply? Wisdom. When you meet a wise person, a truly wise person, hang on to that person for your dear life because it's in short supply in our world. Knowledge is everywhere. Wisdom is in very short supply. Why is that? Why is wisdom in short supply? My guess is because wisdom is found in a person. And very few people know this person. Wisdom is found in the person of Jesus. Now it's true, you might be able to learn things from other people, but at the end of the day, people are people are people. Am I right? You can learn things from other people that may be useful in your journey, in your spiritual journey even, towards Christ. But the only true source of wisdom... Wisdom that's able to save our souls. Wisdom that's beyond the human experience is found in Jesus Christ alone. And that's why it's in such short supply in our world. Because wisdom is found in a person. And that person's name is Jesus. When we are in conversations with those who don't yet believe, being smart doesn't necessarily mean having every answer to every question. Being smart simply means to have ears to hear deeper heart cries from the person we're engaging with. Being smart doesn't mean that you're more intelligent than the other person you're sharing Jesus with. It's never meant that. It simply means that you use wisdom to hear what lies beneath the other person's questions. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Everybody take a breath. Why don't we say it together? I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Isn't that freeing? Most often, the smartest person in the room is a jerk anyway. And those who are smart receive that as a compliment. (laughs) 
Yeah, when we engage others, we have an advocate already. His name's the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. And he's the one who we should listen for, whispering these things into our ears, what he'd like us to say and what he'd rather us not say. He'd rather us not say some things, the Holy Spirit. What are some of those things, you might ask? Here are some of the things the Holy Spirit might be whispering in your ear not to say. Quote, Here are some of the things he's whispered in my ear. It'd be wise to not argue with this person about God's existence in order to win them. Here's another thing you might hear the Holy Spirit whisper in your ear. Quote, does this person really need to hear your answers to their questions? Or are they looking for what Jesus might say in response to their questions? So Paul says, be smart, use wisdom. You will have conversations of significance with those who do not yet believe in Jesus. If you claim Jesus as Messiah, if you say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, dang it, that Jesus will put people in your path who don't know him yet. By default. You're going to run into people who don't yet believe in Jesus. You will be in these conversations. And so when you do, and when you engage, use wisdom. Listen first. Speak second. Don't argue with people. Leave your ego at the door. Listen. Have a real conversation. I think if there's one skill the church needs to just drop, to just stop studying, is the theatrical skill of monologue, what I'm doing right now. The church needs to stop getting great at the theatrical skill of monologue. Isn't that right, Sarah? You're an actress, aren't you? You know. We're so good at espousing our views at what we think Jesus might have meant in this gospel or that one. We're so good at having an opinion about, oh, you want to know about Jesus? Here's what I think about Jesus. Jesus never asked you to tell other people who don't yet believe in him what you think about him. Never did he ask you to do that. Rather, how much better is it, how much better is dialogue than monologue? To actually be slow to speak and quick to listen. To hear the heart cries that are going on in that person's life. If we would stop our monologue for just one minute and engage in dialogue with people who don't yet know Jesus, we might be actually able to identify the places in these people where they need Jesus the most. But if we're always talking... Jesus, 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 Jesus. We might miss on those heart cries that might lead that person to falling in love with Jesus. The way that you fell in love with Jesus. The way that I fell in love with Jesus. So Paul says, use wisdom. Be smart. Secondly, be nice. (laughs) This is a good one. Be nice. He says, let your speech always be with grace. Always. Be with grace. Paul is essentially expressing to the entire church what I'm going to encourage us to do now. Vineyard Cleveland, let's not be jerks. Let's not be jerks. Do you know that you can 
you can take your stand for Jesus. You can be, quote, committed to sharing the gospel without being a jerk. There is a third way, believe it or not. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to die on the hill of being right. Okay, let's pause. Let's take another breath. Let's everybody say it together. Ready? I don't need to be right. Oh, come on. Indulge me. One, two, three. I don't need to be right. Doesn't that feel so freeing? Some of you guys who always need to be right are like crawling in your skin right now. I feel it. You don't always have to be right. In order to win folks to Jesus, you don't have to be right. You just don't. You don't always have to be right. An old friend of mine used to put it this way for perspective. If you go throughout the entirety of your day, if you go through the course of your day, and through the course of your day, the majority of people that you meet and you interact with, whether they're in your life, relationships or acquaintances, those interactions are pleasant. But as you go through your day, there was one jerk in the bunch. You're probably thinking of him or her right now. If that's the case and you get to the end of your day and you say, you know, the majority of people that I've come into contact with today were pretty pleasant. I didn't run into too many angry people today. There's that one guy. He really got me. But for the most part, you know, people were pretty kind to me. People are pretty pleasant. The world's a pretty good place. That one person, he might be the jerk. Now, if you go through the majority of your day and you get to the end of it and you sit down with your spouse or your significant other or your friend on the phone and you say, you know, this world, it's, it's crazy. Everybody, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Everyone I met today was a jerk to me. Why did they say that thing to me? Why are they acting like this towards me? Guess who the jerk might be? If you go through your day and the majority of people you meet are pleasant, except for that one jerk, he might be the jerk. If you go through your day and the majority of people throughout your day, your interactions, you see as jerks, guess who is the jerk? It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. No Kansas City Chiefs fans out there? Jokes that the church doesn't get. <laughs> Taylor Swift, <laughs> one. Okay. Okay, there is a way to be nice and actually gain the other person's respect without compromising where you stand or what you believe. And it's called love, it's called kindness. What would change? Here's the challenge. Here's the question for all of us this morning, myself included. What would change about our lives if we were so transformed by Jesus that we actually valued others' salvation and their eternal destiny above our own need to be right all of the time? 
What would actually change? Dial down. What would, what would actually change about our lives if we became the type of people who were so in love with Jesus and so transformed by his kindness that we actually valued other people who don't yet know Jesus, their eternal salvation above our own need to be right? How might your life change? How would it be different? How would your relationships or your interactions with acquaintances, with random strangers, with your family, how would those relationships shift uh, if we took Paul's encouragement to the church at Colossae, the Colossians, seriously, and we let our speech always be with grace? And notice Paul says, seasoned with salt. Who here ate steak last night? Anybody? Did anybody have steak last night? Who had burger? Some people had some steak. Hey, some people had some steak last night. When the recipe called for seasoning, did you take the bottle of salt and take the lid off and just dump it on that steak? No, you did not. No, you did not. Why? Why did you not do that? Because you recognize that if you were to do that, you would ruin a perfectly good steak. The gospel is a perfectly great steak. It doesn't need you pouring the salt of truth all over it to ruin it. Tweet that. I'm bringing it today, people. This is it. This is the goods. You don't always have to be right, and you don't always have to dump salt on your steak. The gospel is perfectly seasoned as it is. Seasoned with salt. Just a pinch will do. Just a pinch will do. Believe me, people know where they stand with God. You think people outside of the church don't know where they stand with God? Oh, they're well aware. David says in Psalm 51, my sin is always before me. They know. People know. They don't need you to reinforce that fact. They need you to offer grace with a pinch of salt to offer Jesus to them, to create space where they can actually see Jesus clearly as Messiah, without anything else getting in the way. Okay, be smart, be kind. Lastly, and let me just say, before I move on to lastly, be kind, be nice. You guys, Vineyard Cleveland, you're really great at this. I just want to encourage you. You're some of the nicest folks I've ever had the privilege of doing life with. You are kind people. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to keep going. Don't give up being kind. Don't give up. Don't hear this as a rebuke. I should be kinder. Hear this as an encouragement. Vineyard Cleveland, you are some of the kindest people on the planet. Be encouraged. Jesus loves you. He loves you dearly. And he looks at your kindness and it mirrors the Father's kindness in sending Jesus. So I just felt in this moment just to encourage you guys. Less as like a rebuke and more of like, hey, keep going. Keep being kind, even if it costs you everything. Kill them with kindness, as they said. Keep on going. You keep on being kind. Keep on loving people, even when it's not convenient. Even when people might think that you should take a firmer stand. Choose kindness. Choose kindness. Okay. Be smart, be kind. Lastly, be tactical. Be tactical. Paul writes that you may know how you ought to answer elsewhere in Colossians. Colossians 3, 16, Paul writes this. Let the word of Christ, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, there's wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, uh, songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Be tactical that you may know how you ought to answer. To be tactical still does not mean that you should be the, uh, the person with all of the answers. But what it does mean is that you may know how you ought to answer. How you ought to answer. Being tactical means that you're able to, in the moment, discern what the person is really asking and risk being wrong in your response for the sake of who they are and what value they possess before God's eternal throne. Being tactical will mean, Vineyard Cleveland, that we will need to be in the scriptures every day. I'll get into like why this is. But here at Vineyard Cleveland, we believe that the scriptures are the very word of God. Our hope is that Vineyard Cleveland would become more biblically literate people. I was praying with a friend this week, and we were praying for you. We were praying for all of us that we would take the time in the morning or in the evening or on the way to work, throwing on the Bible over your stereo, that we would be the people who get in the Word every day and stay in the Word every day. That we would be people who love the Scriptures, who love what Jesus has to say to us. It's an amazing gift, the Scriptures. An amazing gift that Jesus has given to the church And the truth is that the more you dig into the Word of God, the more your faith will come alive. The more you read it, the less it becomes simply words on a page. The more you read the Word of God, the more you'll find how you ought to answer those who have questions. And some of those answers may be, I really don't know. But I know who does know. You see. That's the point of the scriptures. I want to encourage Bible reading here at Vineyard Cleveland. It's not easy. Believe me, it's not. It really isn't. Sometimes it's the last thing I know that we want to do is to open the Bible. Open the Bible again. I know. It's not easy. But I want to encourage us to spend time in the scriptures every day. And as we do... We find the responses we ought to answer with, as Paul writes. Why? Why? This is where I want to drill home. Why? Because when we read the scriptures, we familiarize ourselves with hard questions. This is why. When we read the scriptures, we familiarize ourselves with hard questions. People in the scriptures dealt with hard questions lives and hard questions and hard experiences. The same experiences, the same questions are relevant in your life with the people surrounding your life in our world today. We read the scriptures not only as a gateway into knowing God, but as a mirror to see who we really are. And as we walk through the gateway into knowing God more, he begins to show us in Scripture 
the mirror of ourselves. Scripture is a mirror. Scripture is a mirror into who we really are. And as we walk through the gateway, we gaze at the mirror, we're able to see and wrestle with some of these hard realities of who we are as people. And we come into contact with hard questions that people are asking all around us. People in Scripture ask hard questions. See if some of these are familiar. All the way back to the garden, Satan asked this one, Did God really say... Did God really say? How many of you know people in your life, at your workplace, are asking this same question? Did God really say to not eat from that tree? Every day they're asking it. Cain of Cain and Abel. Cain asked, am I my brother's keeper? It's a relevant question. Mordecai asked, Of Esther, are you here for such a time as this? Many people today are wondering that. Here's, man, let the, these are the greatest hits. Let Job, let Job's question, oh, he's got two of them that are bangers. Here's Job. Who can make the, who can make the clean out of the unclean? How relevant is that in our world today? Job asked another question, which everybody is asking. He asked this, if a man dies, will he live again? David was full of them. David asked this one, how can a young person keep their way pure? It seems like to you, no one is asking that, but I know that there are many young people asking that question in the room today. How can a young person remain pure? And the two greatest come from the lips of Pilate as Jesus is before him on trial, getting ready to go to the cross. Here's the two greatest. Pilate asked this hard question. What is truth? What's truth? What is, what's true? What's, what's true about our world? What's, what's, what's really true? In this postmodern, narcissistic age, is there truth? What's true? In this nihilistic age that we live in, is there truth? Can truth really be found? Pilate asked this in Jesus' day. And lastly, he asked the most important question, I feel. Pilate asks the most important question in the entirety of the Scriptures. And he says this, What shall I do with Jesus? The Spirit of God is searching the face of the earth and asking every man and woman this question. This is the turning point of history. This is the greatest question of everyone's soul. What will you do with the person of Jesus? He's either a maniac or a messiah. He's either a loon or he did what he said he would do. What will you do with Jesus? People in your world are asking this question. And as we're transformed into the type of people 
who share the gospel willingly. We commit to these things, Vineyard Cleveland. This is the way that we're wise. We share it smartly. We share it kindly with compassion. And we offer it tactically. Then we'll see real life being brought to ourselves and to the city around us. Paul reminds us, those who are outside, he says in Colossians, those who are outside, they need to hear. They need to hear Jesus' promise of eternal life. So the encouragement is, go talk to them. They're not going to bite. Go talk. Introverts, you go talk to them. Extroverts, maybe not talk as much. (laughs) Go talk to them. Go talk to them. Hear their objections. Be open. You don't know everything about Jesus. I don't know everything about Jesus. Be open to hearing what objections folks might have. And if you don't know the answers, that's great, but get ready to learn. Get in the scriptures. Find the answers for yourself. Because in doing so, you're valuing other people's eternal salvation above your own need to be right. That's the encouragement for this morning. Why don't you join me in standing if you're able?